The Today's Homeowner Radio Podcast is brought to you by The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Welcome to Today's Homeowner with Danny Lipford, your partner in home improvement. Everyone has questions about their home. We've got the answers, and we have a few laughs along the way. Informative, entertaining, and sometimes off the wall. Home improvement has never been this much fun. Hello, everybody, and welcome to this hour of today's Homeowner Radio. Danny Lipford here along with my co-host, Joe Truini, and we're here with a whole stack of emails and some fantastic callers calling in because this hour we want to talk about installing a new window. A lot of times you might look at a window and go, I want to take that one out and do something different. Is that really a do-it-yourself project, or do you really need to rely on a pro? We'll tell you about the pros and cons on that in just a minute. Also, a very unique finish on an oak floor that you may have never heard about. Is it a good way to go? Is it something to consider if you're about to refinish your hardwood floors? We're going to explore a little bit about that as well. Also, a lot of other things like installing an exhaust fan in your bathroom. We talked about that a lot, how you can really improve the indoor air quality in your home, which is very important during this time of the year. When it starts getting cold and you're spending more time inside, you want to make sure that air you're breathing is of high quality. That starts with exhausting stale, moist air inside. There's a few basic things that you have to learn on that. We got some great emails, and I know, Joe, you have us a simple solution queued up in just a bit. I do indeed. How to control trash can odors, specifically in the kitchen, of course, um, this time of year. A lot of people are home for the holidays, cooking more and more and filling up those trash cans. So uh, um, how to keep those smells in order while you're home for the holidays. Oh, that's good because the garbage can definitely gets used a lot. We were, My wife and I were just talking about this, just me and her and her little right. dog, little Ricky. and um, and But a full garbage can, I'm talking about a big... Uh, you know, big garbage can that should take care of a family of five. And every single week that thing gets <laughs> topped out. It's like, where does this stuff come from? You know, and of course yeah. we don't compress things. I used to have a trash compactor, which I thought right. was the greatest thing in the world. Um, and uh, you could compress about six things, you know, in one. Um, right. And that was always good. We don't have one of those anymore because I was uh, <clears throat> overruled on that. During oh, really? The house bin. Yeah. It's like, in the new no, kitchen, there was I, no space for it? How's that uh, possible? plenty of space for it, but right. it's like nobody puts those trash compactors in. Nobody. And I said, well, I don't care about anybody else. I like it, and I'm the one that takes the garbage out. Well, I lost that one. I lost that battle. So. She but, says you've, I, got, yeah. you, you've got two trash compactors, one at the end of each foot. Just yeah, stomp I, on yeah. it. That's all. <laughs> well, you know, when you're building a house, uh, you know, uh, side by side with your wife, you have to uh, choose your battles. And so by, <laughs> or build I, two houses. Well, I traded I traded um, no co- trash compactor right. to enlarge my toy barn by four feet. So I got four feet in lieu <laughs> of the trash compactor. I tried to go six feet, but she negotiated back down to four. So yeah, but that know, just yeah. means you have four extra feet for your wife Sharon to fill your toy barn with some I know, stuff. I know, I right? know. She's doing that with gardening stuff coming from everywhere. But hey, let's get right to a few of the calls that we've gotten this week. We want you to reach out to us anytime. Today's slash ask is how you can send us an email or you can go to 800-946-4420 and leave us a message anytime on the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Let's grab a few of those calls we got this week. Hi, question. Is there a solvent to remove paint splatter on plastic outdoor furniture? I don't know if it's an oil-based or a water-based paint. 
uh, it was splattered on my deck furniture from the people upstairs, and consequently, I do not know what type of paint they used, but I'd like to remove it from the uh, furniture. The deck people that are going to work on it said they're not sure if the power spray will remove it, and I'd like to know if there is a solvent that would remove it from the plastic without damaging it. I'd appreciate your response. All right. Well, um, I would have to ask, why aren't you calling the neighbors? Why aren't you yeah, calling exactly. the people that caused the problem and say, um, I would like for you to take care of it, and then they should be calling us, not you. But um, but what do you think on that, Joe? I mean, uh, you know, chances are it's a latex paint. Oh, because, I'm almost you know, sure it is. Yeah. Oil paint is just not used very much, you know, in, in, in situations like that. So, I mean, there's a lot of passive ways of doing it. It's like goo gone. Uh, right, those yeah. are pretty passive things and are um labeled as latex paint removers. What else would you suggest for him to make sure he doesn't kind of tarnish that finish on the plastic? Yeah, that, that's exactly right. If you're going to buy Goo Gone or something like that, they have a, most people just think of it as one product, but they have a line of products and there's one specifically called a latex paint remover. So that's the one you want for water-based paint. But before doing that, Danny, I think I would just try soaking um, like a paper towel or a rag in mm-hmm. rubbing alcohol, just regular rubbing alcohol, mm-hmm. put it on top of some of the paint spatters, keep it wet, let it set there for I don't know, several minutes, ten, five or 10 minutes, depending on how much paint's on there, and then try scraping it off. That should soften it. Won't harm the plastic at all. Then scrape it off. But you really should use a plastic putty knife. Um, you know, I'm only concerned if you use a metal one, it'd be easier to get the spatters off. But I don't know if you're going to wind up scratching up this furniture and how hard the plastic actually is. So I would at least start with a plastic putty knife. Once they're softened, you should be able to get them off. If that doesn't work, then you're going to have to go to a, a paint remover. Mm-hmm. And and a lot of times you can put that on and give it just a little bit of time and it'll soften it. And that way you can take it right off with maybe even a magic eraser can help give you oh, just yeah, the right. right amount of abrasion that you need. Let's go back to the hotline for another call. Yes, my name is Sean Seifert. I'm calling uh, about a plumbing issue. I have a finished basement. And about 13 years ago, we put in uh, PEX plumbing with the crimp rings. And we have uh, well water in the area. This may be contributing to this, but the... The crimp rings and the 90-degree elbows and such are made out of some type of, I guess, bronze type of metal. Anyway, they're corroding, and what it's doing, I guess, it's weakening the rings, and I'm getting uh, drips, you know, they're showing up in the ceiling. It's the third one I've had, and I'm worried that now there's been three in the last two years that every single one of these is going to be an issue. Maybe you could give me a little information or wisdom regarding this issue. Thank you. Oh, boy, I'll tell you. Yeah, that, uh, that's awful. I've, I've heard some really bad situations like that. The problem is it never gets better. It's going to get worse and, and could be a pretty significant amount of damage happens if one of those feedings completely, um, you know, break loose. Um, I would get on the phone. I would call a lot of uh, plumbers that are recommended by friends or find out, a, you know, plumbing supply store is a good place to call and say, hey, I've got some uh, PEX issues that I may need my house repiped. Who do you recommend? They usually have someone that's right at the top of the list that does that all the time. Those guys that do it a lot, man, they really have some good tricks in being able to route those lines without them being visible. You don't want that plumbing running up your wall, jumping in the attic in order to serve those things. There's a lot of ways that you can hide those pipes where you won't see them and won't show that there has been problems in the past. But um, that's what I would do. You got 
got to bring a pro in there, and I'd bring one in um, fairly quick and um, see if you can't get that routed. It's such a shame in a situation yes. like that, Joe, because, uh, again, it doesn't ever get any better. Yeah, and Sean said this system's over 13 years old, and that might be part of the problem. The only weak link in these PEC systems are the fittings, and, um, you know, these are 13, 14 years old. They've improved those greatly. Um, so hopefully most of these fittings are going to be exposed and not buried in walls. But yeah, if, if he has one, two, now the third one leaking, what are the chances that that's it? Suddenly it's going to stop and none of the other ones are going to leak. So yeah, I think you have to call in a pro and they can replace them with stainless steel fittings with plastic fittings. I think they now have for pecs, things that aren't going to corrode. Bronze ones are usually pretty good, but I don't know. Sounds like it's the crimp rings that are the problem. Yeah, that's a shame. And, you know, I'm hearing more and more over the years, I've, I've dealt with a lot of um, copper pipe issues that are leaking in slabs. And there's just no rhyme or reason to it a lot of times. A lot of times it's the type of water that's causing pinhole leaks. And I have actually jackhammered out sections of a living room where wow. someone walked across barefoot and said, wait a minute, this is super hot right here. Everywhere else is not. Uh, this must be where my high water bill is coming in. You jackhammer a hole there three foot around. And I looked down in there and it was seven feet deep under there where wow. the water over the years had deteriorated so much it had it had gravitated to the point where it was actually spewing water out and it was just washing that water that dirt out and they had no idea whatsoever Holy so so cow. we had to fill that in we had to pack it in we had to get termite treatment well you know of course have the plumbing fixed re-pour it i mean it was it is not an easy task and it's always right in the middle of your house and uh, right. so yeah. want to avoid that as much as you can a lot more information coming up for you a lot of tips a lot of ways that you can make it through the winter without uh, busting the budget on your power bill you're listening to today's homeowner radio we'll be right back Today's homeowner is brought to you by Pavestone, creating beautiful landscapes, and by Quickrete Cement and Concrete Products. It's what America's made of. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. We always like to show our appreciation to the wonderful stations that carry the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. And, you know, so many times over the years we've developed some very good friendships with amazing radio people. And one particular one is Paul Tinkle with Thunderbolt Broadcast. WCMT-FM 100.5 in Martin, Tennessee. Has been carrying the Today's Homeowner Show for many, many years. Great folks, great organization, and we really appreciate being a part of your lineup. Up, even though we'll only be there for a few more weeks. We appreciate all the time we've been there. And for all of you that are listening in that part of Tennessee, if we can help you out, we still have time. Give us a call, 800-946-4420, or send us an email anytime at todayshomeowner.com slash ask. Right now, we're going to North Carolina. Jackie's on the phone. Uh, Jackie, welcome to the show, and uh, tell us what's going on around your house. Hello, Danny and Joe. Okay, I have two window questions for you. Okay. Okay. The, Fortun fortunately, there are two of us, so we'll each answer one. <laughs> well, the first one is I want to uh, put a window where one does not exist. So I watch it on YouTube, and, um, of course, when you watch it on YouTube, you can do anything, right? That's so I was right, just right, wondering, right. <laughs> is that something um, that is recommended for as a DIY project, or would I need 
um, you know, like permits and, you know, different things like that. Well, um, it, uh, per- permits are always um, uh, depends on exactly the municipality that you're dealing with. Most of the okay. time they will say something like a window does need um, a permit, uh-huh. but that's very easy, not much. But I'll tell you, you can really run into a lot of situations if a window is not installed properly. And okay. many times you have to take out a lot more than you might think because of the framing that you have to do with, uh-huh. you know, because when, you, when you're cutting into a wall, you're cutting a vertical support, a stud. You're having to cut at least one, two, maybe three of those. And in order to support that load that is depending on now, you have to put in a horizontal framing piece called a header. And that's where it gets very tricky because you've got to marry the inside materials to the outside materials. Uh, Inevitably, if you have the luck that many people have, there's going to be an electric wire running right (laughs) through the middle of it or a plumbing wire or throw in a little air conditioning in there as well. So sometimes it can get a little crowded that all that has to be rerouted. So I would recommend that being a, um, a professional uh, okay. to take care of that because you do run into a lot and there's there may be drywall. You want to make sure that it's weatherproof. You want to make sure that it is flashed properly. Um, a lot of things to consider um, on that part of it. So that's kind of my opinion on that first part of the question. What about your second one? So the second question would definitely take a professional. I want to replace or rather switch two double-hung windows with a bow or a bay window. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm wondering if if that makes sense to do on a second-story um, area. Well, it's a little little trickier because the access outside will have to be done on scaffolding, but that's done all the time. But uh, I can just say that a, a bay window or a bow window really does make a big difference in um, in in a room, it just is amazing. You might only be sticking out six or eight or ten inches, but it feels like you've added several feet to the room. Yeah. But boy, it is key that that flashing is done right on that. But Joe, you've had a lot of experience on those and great effect on it. That's a that's a fantastic yeah. project. Yeah, in fact, Jackie, I did that exact project at my home this past summer. I took out oh. two windows and then put in a bay window. And there okay. was probably about, I think about 14 or 16 inches between the two windows. So, um, yeah, this is, as you said, this is definitely a job for a professional because you have to um, take out the windows, take out the two existing headers, and then, you know, put in a new header and new jack studs and king studs to support the header. Um, and while you're doing that, you have to support the inside, the ceiling in the room. You need to put up temporary wall because okay. once you pull out those windows and those headers, there's nothing holding up the floor above, um, or in your case, the attic above, I suspect. And right. and you're on the, I was I was about six feet off the ground. You're going to be up higher on the second floor, yeah. so probably they might have to bring in pump jacks um, just to get the window up there because these are pretty heavy windows, oh, even small, yeah. even small ones. So pump jacks are just um, a device that you know, you pump it with your foot and it raises a scaffolding plank. So it allows them to reach any height. Um, but uh, yeah, as far as a DIY project, the easiest DIY project for a window is when you, and you wouldn't need a permit, is if you replace an old window with a new window that's same size or smaller. Mm-hmm. And the reason mm-hmm. that is because you're not mm-hmm. messing with the okay. header. 
And well, you will it need a sounds permit. like I am about to pay somebody else to do this. Good, good. <laughs> Thank you guys so very much for um, answering my question. Oh, of course. Or, or if you have a good grilled fish recipe, then Joe <laughs> will grab his little handy-andy toolkit, put on I'll his little right handy-andy hat, and he'll just drift down to North Carolina and take Thank care you. of this. So. Uh, that's all you have to do. Yeah. Right. But thanks so much for being with us. And, and uh, best of luck on your window project. It sounds like a very positive project that, that you'll really appreciate once all the dust is settled. Thank you so much. You're okay, welcome. our pleasure. Thank you very much. Let's jump on some emails here, Mr. Joe. This came okay. from Peter in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Hi, Danny. I'm about to install a new combination light fan unit in our upstairs bathroom, but I'd rather not cut the exhaust duct through the roof. Can I just run the duct between the ceiling joist in the attic and then down through the soffit vent? Seems like that would be much easier and more leak-proof than going through the roof. What do you think? Well, it's all about the distance of the run from the exhaust fan to the outside. It's always better, without a doubt, to go directly from the exhaust fan straight up through the roof or the closest point to the outside. That could be a sidewall. That could be a soffit vent. But whatever's the shortest run to the outside is the absolute best for any exhaust fan. It'll work better and it'll last a lot longer. However, there are many situations where the duct needs to go a little ways to reach another part as long as it's not excessive. And I would say 15 to 18 feet. As long as you don't have to go more than that to get to that soffit vent, you'll be fine. Just make sure that both ends are sealed very well, particularly at the exhaust fan, so that it moves that hot, moist air right on out of there. Let's go right to another email. Kathy from Iowa. Hey, Danny and Joe, I love your show. We'll miss listening to you on Saturday mornings. Our brick wood-burning fireplace has a hole in the rear firewall. It's about one by three inches. Can this be repaired? Can I do it myself? Or must I call a contractor? Thanks so much and hope you and Joe enjoy your retirement. Joe's not retiring. He's he's, uh, (laughs) he's, he's hanging in there a little bit longer. But um, boy, Joe, this is a serious issue right here. If you've got a rusted, it has to be a rusted out spot or maybe an access panel of some kind was left off. But this is something you don't play with. And um, I would get a pro in there because, boy, a lot of fires happen when that fireplace is breached in any way. And just a few little embers get in the wrong place. And it's not a pretty sight. That's exactly right. I thought the same thing. It's really important to plug up that hole because you don't want to risk house framing catching on fire. You have any embers or fire going through that. And by the time you discover that the house is on fire, it's going to be too late. It's not going to be very obvious because it'll be behind the other fire brick. Um, yeah, you can call in a pro. They 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 actually make a, um, I think it's called fireplace patch or something like that. Uh, it's a high temperature furnace cement that I think Hercules makes one and Rutland makes one. And, and some of them are pre-mixed even. And you just it's almost like putting in putty. But again, this is high temperature furnace cement and it's made specifically for those situations where you have, you know, any kind of fire situation because it's completely fireproof. Can't just put any kind of patch in there. That's the mm-hmm. point. But you know what happens a lot of times, um, and this is perfectly fine to build a chase out of wood, and then you cover the outside of the fireplace chase that covers up the pipe that extends out from your uh, firebox. Um, it's, you know, it's perfectly acceptable to build that out of wood, match the siding or brick, whatever you have on the house on the outside. But if there's a small leak that leaks from the main cap and drips a little bit of water in there over the years and it rusts out, that can cause a lot of problems. 
yet another reason you need to have any kind of fireplace you have, even if it's a gas fireplace, um, inspected carefully, cleaned and inspected every couple years. Let's make sure we stay safe out there. Hey, you're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. When we come back, we're going to talk about a Swedish finish on a hardwood floor. Have you ever heard of it? We're going to dig into it when we come back. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Today's Homeowner Radio. Here are Danny and Joe. And welcome back to the Today's Homeowner Radio Show. So glad to be with you. We're covering a lot of different subjects all over the country. And we're going to get right back to the Today's Homeowner Hotline. Wyatt is on the phone from Washington. Uh, welcome to the show. And uh, tell us what's going on with this uh, unique floor that you have. <laughs> okay. Well, thank you. Uh, first of all, I just want to say I, I really enjoy listening to you guys' show. I listen to it just about every Saturday morning. Going to be sorry to see you go, but uh, wish you a long and happy retirement, uh, both of you. Thank you, Wyatt. Appreciate it. I appreciate that. You're very nice. Very nice. Um, Our house was built in 2006. Uh, We had it built. uh, had a a wood floor, um, white oak, uh, installed in the, the living room, dining room, kitchen, which is really essentially all one big room. Um... The flooring contractor uh, recommended what he called a Swedish Swedish finish on the floor, um, uh, said it was very durable and, and a good finish. So we went with it, and, and I think it really has been pretty durable. Um, in uh, 2016, so 10 years later, mm-hmm. we had the floor uh, screened and top-coated, I guess you'd say, Mm-hmm. Again, with the, with the Swedish finish. In fact, it was the same contractor, local. They were still in business, um, and we had at the time uh, we had also had a second contractor come out beforehand and, and just give us an estimate. Right. Uh, and that person said that he did not do Swedish finishes because they were too toxic, and. Um, I wish I remembered the kind of finish that he recommended. I, I want to say maybe a polyurethane, but I'm really not sure. But yeah, he probably. did say, yeah, he did say if he were to use that finish, his finish, he would have to remove all of the Swedish finish, sand it down to the wood um, in order to put the other kind of finish on. So now here it is, you know, about eight years later, we're, we're going to have to be probably sprucing up this floor again here in the next couple of years. And my questions really are, what exactly is a Swedish finish? Um, and if we were to have a different type of finish, uh, to use a different type of finish, would we have to sand this, this existing finish clear down to the bare wood? And then lastly, just... What are you guys' uh, thoughts and recommendations as far as a good finish for a for an oak floor? Well, well White, I'm glad you um, asked this question because uh, you know this is a good a good example here. I've been in this business for 45 years. I've handled just about everything, and I have never heard of a Swedish floor. So that could be a lot to do with just the regionality part of right. it. So, yeah. I, so I, you know, I did a little research, but Joe's familiar with it. But let me just um, mention as far as a point of what is it. Um, what I've read here, and I'll just read this verbatim: acid cured finish, also known as Swedish finish, is a quick drying, slow curing, extremely. Dur- 
durable option often applied to exotic wood floors or those with elaborate patterns such as parquet floor. In addition to its durability, it's highly transparent and has excellent elasticity. Joe, that sounds like a, all good properties on all there. Good. But, yep. uh, but what do you know about um, this type of, um, uh, of Swedish finish and uh, what are some of the answers to Wyatt's questions? Yeah, I think why it, the Swedish finish is, I don't know why they call it the Swedish finish, but it's technically known as a conversion varnish, meaning that it bonds with a chemical reaction to the wood, unlike polyurethane that basically just forms a layer on top of the wood. And that might be part of the reason. And I would I, I understand why the second contractor is saying you have to remove all of it. And I would too, if you're going to put on a polyurethane or something else. But I mean, you have Swedish finish down there now. It's lasted since 2006. You have to update it every now and then by screening it and recoding. I would stay with that. And the reason it's, it was a popular finish um, is that, it, as Danny referred to, it's extremely um, durable, very hard, resists wear and tear better than almost any other finish, and again, including scratches and scuff marks and water damage. And again, that's because it's bonded to the wood itself, which is why you'd have to sand it completely off to get to bare wood to apply some other finish. So I would not bother doing that. The only downside is Swedish finish, at least the ones I've been familiar with, maybe there's a newer type out, the pretty high odor that you have to basically leave the house. It dries quickly, so you don't have to beat it out of the house for a couple of days, but certainly a good part of the day until it dries enough that you're not going to smell it. Um, but I, I would just stay with the Swedish finish. Yeah, okay, great. Yeah, we did have to leave the house for a couple of days when, yeah. when we had it top coated. But... Yeah, especially when you're doing when you're doing all those rooms, you better just leave the house. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But yeah, there's certainly nothing wrong with it, and I wouldn't go over the top of it with any other finish because what if it doesn't bond to the old Swedish finish then what do you do yeah right yeah okay well great that thank you for the information you guys answered my questions well we You're appreciate welcome. it appreciate those kind words and uh we'll be hanging in here for a few more weeks but thanks so much for being a part of the show today thank you Swedish finish yeah I've heard I know, of Danish that's finish that's more popular but not, Swedish isn't as popular yeah very unusual here here's a common problem here an email came in from Harry in Lakeland Lakeland Florida we have an IKEA storage cabinet that has European style cup hinges the cabinet doors are made of particle board covered in wood veneer there are three hinges that are broken free from the doors and there's no way to tighten up the screws because the particle board is cracked and crumbly uh, IKEA does not sell replacement doors there's any way for me to fix them so that I can reattach the hinges. Um, yeah, you know, that's one of the things about particle board. Yeah. It's just the, it doesn't have the grain to give you the strength for those screws. It's time to break out the epoxy glue, a two-part epoxy. Make sure you set everything up. You may need some clamps in good shape there. Just build up the material that yep. is crumbling away, then put the screws in, or I would just go ahead and put um, the screws uh, and the hinge in and go ahead, depending on how cracked it is. You might put a little in there, put the hinge in, let it um, dry for um, probably just overnight since there's a lot of pressure on it. And uh, that should place it back together. I've had a lot of luck with some of the crumbling um, particle board as long yeah. as it hasn't gotten wet to be able to kind of hold it right. together yeah. with some of that simple two-part epoxy. Yeah, once it gets wet and it swells up, then you have to replace the whole door. But yeah, he could... You know, cracked and crumbly, it's like it sounds like a fine cheese or something. That particle board is awful, <laughs> especially on those cabinets because they're usually only the doors might only be five eighth inch thick. So imagine screwing into that. I mean, it doesn't take much for this thing to fall apart. So, yeah, you can repair it with the epoxy filler like Bondo, or they do make a um, I think it's just called a hinge replacement kit. It's basically a metal plate that you screw to the inside of your door, then you mount the hinge to that. 
So it's a permanent fix. The the the, the, the plate is big enough that it's going to cover the hole. I think they're like three or four inches square. Um, so you can probably find those online. I think they're they can get four of them for eight or ten dollars, something like that. So that'd be a permanent fix as well. Hey, we're going to take a short break here on today's Homeowner Radio. When we come back, it's email time. If you sent us an email recently, we're going to do our best to answer that email when we come back from this break. You're listening to today's Homeowner Radio. Don't go anywhere. Today's Homeowner is brought to you by Deitch Coatings. Easily roll on your new stone countertop, garage floor, and more in just a weekend with Deitch. Now, even though the Today's Homeowner Radio Show will be only on for till the end of the year, we have plenty of time to answer your calls or emails. If you'd like to send us an email, you can do so by going to todayshomeowner.com slash ask. We're going to jump into a number of those right now. Gary from Virginia asks, I'd like to install a foil faced radiant barrier on the underside of my roof rafters in our attic. However, I heard that the barrier could create moisture and mold problems. Is that true? Joe, here we are again with the radiant barrier. Um, You know, I still don't know how I feel about that because, you know, just to explain what it is, it's a foil backing that, um, that, that the claims are you install it on the underside of your rafters that creates a little bit of space between your rafter and your roof decking and that little airspace there um it's able to protect um your attic from heating up and now i've heard that it also can cause the shingles to deteriorate rapidly so i really don't know exactly where it is what have you what, what have you gathered over the years joe about the radiant barriers and kind of where do they stand yeah. in really being able to save some energy yeah they i guess it depends on like gary's in virginia which i'm sure gets plenty hot in the summer so it might help keep the house a little cooler um the radiant barriers barriers in and of themselves don't cause a moisture problem but if a moisture problem exists and you're not aware of it it might help trap it and of course it'll be behind this paper foil face paper so you wouldn't really even see it so that's the issue but no the radiant barriers don't cause any problem and what they recommend the manufacturers of these radiant barriers recommend is if there is or if you're not 100 percent sure there is not a moisture problem they recommend cutting some holes in it to allow air to flow through it of course you want to make as few holes as possible because you know the whole idea is that this is a forms a, a solid barrier um, but i mean if you're getting to that point you better be sure that there's no moisture and then just put it up the way it's recommended Here's another email from New Jersey. Ray is asking, we recently moved to the Northeast from South Carolina, and I noticed that people here wrap their evergreen trees and shrubs in burlap. I heard it's to protect them from the freezing temperatures. Is that necessary? I thought evergreens were pretty hardy. Now, um, I I assume, I'm not familiar with this, certainly burlap is very common around the root ball when you're buying them and planting them, and, you know, there's always the controversy, well, if you have it around the root ball, do you cut it, do you leave it on there, that kind of thing, but it sounds like this is the actually um, the planted evergreen, and you're wrapping it like putting a jacket on it. I've never heard of that. Oh, really? Well, that's because you're in South Alabama, Danny. That's I'm, right. Conne- that's right. I'm in Connecticut, and people have been doing that for about the last month or so. You just leave it on for the winter, and you take it off. And it does exactly that. It just protects it from frost and snow and ice. And um, there's a thing called a winter burn, which is a 
damaging condition caused by usually a combination of winter sunlight because there's still lots of sun that comes through even though it's a short year because there's no leaves on the tree and depleted soil moisture there's less moisture in the soil so the burlap and you never you put plastic by the way because plastic could could um, trap heat and moisture and cook your tree even in the winter um, so the burlap lets it breathe so you wrap it the tr- trees or shrubs and it protects them and and you definitely have to do this for newer trees that are um, one to three years old um, you definitely need to do it with but I see people doing it on trees of all ages it just helps the tree get through the rough winters and those that really cool How about weather. that a yeah. regular um, so so you have um, evergreen tree parkas that's, uh, right. interesting. that's exactly that's, uh, right. interesting with the yeah. burlap like that. Let's get another email here. Uh, Katrina in Minneapolis. Uh, after doing a load of laundry, I occasionally find greenish leaf-like flakes in the wash tub. The washer seems to be operating and draining properly, and I'm sure it's not from our clothes. Any idea what might be causing this problem? It sounds like some corrosion or some buildup in there that yeah. um, it might be uh, good to really look at cleaning the inside um, areas of the tub of the best as possible with some good good hot water and soap. But also maybe running, uh, I'm, I'm not sure I've ever heard of running vinegar through a washing machine, but even running a, a, a cycle without soap and without clothes seems right. like might not be a bad idea every now and then. Yeah, I'd probably run vinegar and baking soda. Now, I've, I've heard of brown or blackish flakes and that's from using too much soap people always use way too much soap thinking oh more soap is better Uh never do because your machine can't or or too much fabric softener your machine can't get all that out in the time that it's washing clothes um so but those are usually greenish look like Mm -hmm. little leaves but maybe Mm -hmm. the uh, I mean, or brown or black, maybe the greenish ones are the same problem. So, yeah, I'd run vinegar and baking soda or something like that, super hot water and flush it out. Because what happens is that stuff gets trapped, that excess detergent gets trapped in between the plastic drum that holds the water and the metal drum that you see when you open up the lid. And so this, that, we're running it uh, load through. Hopefully it'll flush all that out. Exactly what it sounds like. Hey, coming up, it's Simple Solution Time. Joe's got a good one for us. Don't go anywhere. You're listening to today's Home on the Radio. We'll be right back. Today's homeowner is brought to you by Fluid Master. Find out more at shop.fluidmaster.com. And welcome back to the show, which it's time for that simple solution that we all look forward to. Joe, share one with us again, my friend. All right, Danny, here's how to control trash can odors in your kitchen. So what you first first want to do is when each time you put in a new plastic trash bag in the trash can, like you take out the old filled one, you're going to put in a new one, put um, some newspaper in the in the bottom of the trash can itself, and then put the bag in. Then put some. And I'm talking about like one section, one or two sections of newspaper at the bottom, and then put one or two sections in the bag itself. And what what that'll do is if the, if you throw in anything that's got any wet moisture, it's wet or it starts to decompose and it gets wet. The newspaper will absorb it, and the one in the can itself will just absorb, in case the bag gets a hole in it and it drips out of the bag. 
that that newspaper you must never have to change, you know, unless the bags are ripping all the time, in which case I'd suggest getting better, buying better bags. But there's the, the newspaper will absorb that wet mess that actually actually causes a lot of stench. And then the other thing you could do is um, you can tape, you know, dryer sheets that you put in the clothes dryers. They, they have ones that are scented and you tape them to the inside near the top of the can, tape them to the top of the bag. And that will, you know, Whatever. Usually, I think the ones we had were lavender scented because these are usually in an enclosed place. When you pull it out, it'll smell a little, a little nicer than the trash itself. So those are two little tricks. Just put the newspaper in the bottom of the can in the bag in a scented dryer sheet, and you won't be smelling. What would it be, Danny? Leftover turkey or stuffing? I guess. <laughs> That's right. Did, yeah. did you have any leftover stuffing? Did you just eat it all in a matter? No, of no. I, 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 I love that, but I, but what one one meal's enough for me. One. A few One spoonfuls. Like, that, that's really good. If I eat any more, I'm going straight to sleep. So I, I try not to. <laughs> I try not to do that. But you know, on that the scented um, garbage can thing, I did come yeah. up with a kind of a cool little thing. I, you know, I have one of the drawers that pull out, and you have right. two cans in there, one for recycling and one uh, for the trash that you take out. So I rigged up this little thing that each time you open it up, it sprays. Yeah. So I needed something to spray in there. So right. I found uh, it's it's fairly old. It's a bottle of high karate cologne. <laughs> I remember that from jun- <laughs> from junior high school. High karate. High yeah. karate. And uh, it sprays in there each and every time. It gives me a little flashback to 1975. Yeah, you know, that's so, right. That's really nice. <laughs> I, I wonder if they still sell that. That's a, that's an interesting you look question. that up. High karate. <laughs> Well, Joe, I finally made it in from the toy barn with my 24 boxes of Christmas. 24? You've condensed them. Didn't and you she more? has jumped in there and the, everything. I mean, it's it looks beautiful around here. But yeah, um, yeah. but I finally decided that I, I, when I moved into this place and I have all this attic space, so especially out in my storage area, my toy barn, right. um, I'll never need to use this. I have all this room <laughs> and all these shelves. Well... I'm out there putting some half-inch plywood down in my toy barn attic, which is like a 10 or 11-foot ceiling, so it's a pretty good little attic stairs there. And it will be harder to put those 24 boxes back in there. But like any organization, you only need them one time a year, whereas other things that you can use on those accessible shelves will be things you use more frequently. So uh, not a fun project, but... uh, you know, um, I'm 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 handing the plywood up to her and giving her a screw gun, <laughs> and you know I'll get her a glass oh, of sure iced, you are. iced tea every hour. So it's uh, <laughs> it's it's not that bad. Yeah, one of the many truths of home ownership is you're going to fill whatever space you have. It doesn't matter I'm how you. big a, you can move from a one bedroom apartment into a four bedroom house, and you can think, well, we're never going to fill this space. Come back in it. a couple of months. I know it. All that and stuff you weren't bringing home, you're now bringing home. Exactly, yeah. exactly. There's a lot of stuff in storage and organization as part of home ownership, and actually a fairly satisfying thing if something's kind of gotten out of hand, reorganizing it. That's sure. a, that's a lot of fun, and we'll share some tips on exactly how you can do that um, as we move on through to the final show here in just a few weeks. But that pretty much wraps up our show for this week. I'm Danny Lipford, along with my buddy Joe Truini, our wonderful uh, producer engineers Scott Gardner and Brad Rogers, and the whole today's homeowner family. Hoping you have. A great weekend and come back and be with us again next week. We'll see you then.